it's gonna be awkward. <laughs> I don't get it. You, you do the math. Boom! What's up? We're back. What up? Look alive. It's episode five. I'm excited. Dude, Ooh. that was a clean one. I'm flowing, dog. <laughs> we were talking on, about spinning some bars before this on that intro. That was good. That's it. That yeah. was a good. Yeah, that good was rap. really good. Because you guys both said you were bad at rapping, so yeah. I needed to kind of take that right yeah. there. Well, that was, that was good, good, dude. We're uh, we're back back in the studio for another week. Uh, how how fun is this show, dude? Dude, it's probably the most, this is most fun show you've ever most had. Fun, well, all right, yeah, well, fuck our show. I don't want to say that because <laughs> it, I mean it's fun in a different fun. It's different, different but better in a different but better. But different way. In a different but, but better kind of <laughs> yeah. way. Right. Yeah, no, this is but no, it's a fun show. Yeah, it's a fun show. A lot of fun. We got another great guest. This probably the most he's he's gotta be probably the biggest uh one of the biggest personalities we know, and that's not even having him on the podcast. That's Anthony Rosemont. Yes. But also I was gonna say he's one of our favorite people. Oh yeah, he's also one of our favorite people. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, last episode, episode you guys were like, yeah. we really, we really, we're gonna be honest. Like, like, well, fuck, it's Anthony. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to say it again. No, we're, we're gonna be. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're not even worthy to be your friend, but I know <laughs> it's like we're, we're so great. You're not worthy, but it's cool. Like, I love you guys. <laughs> we're so we're so grateful to just have you in, in the studio that like we don't even know what to do. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. welcome. Thank you, man. Yeah, welcome. welcome, dude. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Like even with socially awkward, like I was hoping to get on that podcast. And when you guys were talking about doing awkward MMA, I was like, definitely. Like I don't know why you would have me on awkward MMA because I'm not the greatest MMA fighter, but I do love the sports for sure. So, dude, it's not about it's the thing. Our thing is that. It's about showcasing the sport in all of its aspects and all of the different personalities and stories that go along with such a great sport, you know, and like when, when we think of designing a show with that premise, you're like the first person that comes to mind. So yeah, I appreciate that for sure. I mean, you're just one of the best dudes. So appreciate that. Um, you know, we're excited. Yeah. Super excited. Well, to start this off, we got to ask everyone, where did it all start for you? Are you from here or? I'm from Tucson. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm Tucson? from Tucson. Yeah. Originally, I grew up and went to high school in Tucson. I've had, um, let's see, started fighting when I was 17. Damn. Yeah. And honestly, I'm, I'm 30. So I uh, started fighting when I was 17, but it was just like smokers and kickboxing. And I didn't even do it. Like everyone's like. I got picked on as a kid or like, you know, that, that that's their back. Not me at all, dude. Like I remember like the first time I ever almost got in a fight. I was playing junior high basketball at lunch and, um, this guy, Josh Morrow, like, I hope he listens to this. I don't know if he ever will. I hope he listens to this because like Josh Morrow was on the same basketball team as I was like we're on in seventh grade and we're on the called the, the B team. Right. Cause that the A team's eighth grade, B team, seventh grade. And we're playing basketball at lunch, you know, and I blocked one of his shots, like clean block. And like, 
you know how in school like that's like your proud moment yeah, and like yeah. everyone watching was like yeah yeah everyone's and going he, crazy yeah everyone's going crazy and i was like yeah <laughs> and this dude shoves me dude against the freaking fence and he's like you fouled me dude you hit me and i like got so terrified <laughs> like just mortified i was like ter- like oh my he pushed me like i don't even he's like he's like you fouled me and i was like dude i blocked you clean like i don't know what you're talking about and he was like <laughs> he like told me throughout the day like and i started hearing it from other people he's like josh Morrow's gonna meet you at the library after school and i was like uh no he's not because i'm gonna go home after school like i'm not gonna meet that dude like, i'm not meeting that guy like i'm not gonna stay and everyone's like dude you have to show up like if you don't show up like you're gonna be a punk you know and i'm like well then i'm a punk dude like i'm not gonna fight you like i don't i don't even know how to throw a punch dude like i don't know what i'm gonna do so i remember like seventh grade i show up after school and i just kind of like walk by the library and like i'm walking by it and i'm like he ain't here my bus is leaving so i'm out like i don't even know if he ever showed up like maybe he did maybe he didn't but like that was like my fighting experience as a child like i never wanted to fight yeah that was it and like i never wanted to fight and honestly i just started doing kickboxing as a way to stay in shape after basketball like i was a basketball player through junior high and high school and i just started fighting because like my my stepdad is a national kickboxer he's phenomenal and um he was my coach and i honestly just went to him and i was like hey can you teach me how to hit mitts and i just wanted something to stay in shape after high school basketball like i didn't know if i was going to go play at a juco which i ended up doing i played at a junior college but i had all this time where I wasn't doing any sports and I wasn't doing anything. And I was like, I just need to stay in shape. Like, I don't want to be that out of shape kid. Like, and he's like, well, we'll start hitting the heavy bag in the garage and hitting mitts in the garage. And that's what we did. And he was like, you're kind of good at this, man. Let's go start training at a club. And so we went and we started training at a, a an AKA karate studio, AKA karate studio. Oh, yeah, yeah, Thursday yeah. nights, they had kickboxing sparring and he would take me every Thursday. We train in the garage, just me and him. And then he'd take me to sparring Thursday nights and I go spar these guys. And he's like, dude, we got to get you some smokers. You're pretty good at this. And I was like, all right, awesome. Like, and that's how, just how it started, man. And Damn. I started kickboxing, doing some smokers and we'd go to cruises and fight at a, just run down bars. And like, it was great. Really? Yeah. It was awesome. Dude, that sounds like a blast. It was, yeah, it was that's a lot a of crazy, fun. uh, crazy kind of story. Cause I mean, like you said, everyone has a different story with it, but for the most part, it's usually just that bullied, kind of picked on. They had to fight for you know their life or their struggle. Or, or I feel like it's, there's a lot of of either one of the two. Like there's the bullied and overcoming it, or there's like the I was just doing it and realized I was good at it, so like I kept doing it. You right. Know? Like, but but that's uh, but that's really cool. And so then, when did you get to fight ready? Oh, dude, it was a journey um okay so i started fighting and did some kickboxing smokers i had like 20 kickboxing smokers where like damn yeah like i fought for the southwest kickboxing title one time i thought this dude is like he was like he had like over 50 fights as an amateur kickboxer and he had the title his name was anthony as well and i had four fights and I remember we're fighting Las Cruces, New Mexico. And if you know anything about Las Cruces, New Mexico, white people aren't always the most popular person in that place. Right. And I walked into a uh, pretty fly for a white guy by the offspring. You remember that song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah dude. And I got booed so hard. Like it wasn't even funny. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, it was so bad. Uh, they, they asked me my walkout song and I didn't know. And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, 
one of the very few white guys here, like pretty viper white guy sounds like a great song to walk out to. Like yeah. it'd be funny and just really awkward and weird. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and course. so I walked out of that song and uh, this guy has like over 50 fights. And for some reason, like I wasn't scared at all. And I just remember like going in there, I knocked him out in the second round and it was like one of my proudest moments. Like, you know what I mean? Like everyone, yeah. everyone has like in their sport, like they have their, like their proudest moments and that was it. And I, I ended up moving uh, after playing uh, at a JUCO college of basketball. I ended up moving to Albuquerque shortly after um, because my stepdad and my mom moved to Albuquerque and they opened mm. up a gym there mm. and they wanted to open up an MMA gym. And that was like their dream because my mom's super in shape and she does all the conditioning for the fighters out there. And then my wow. stepdad does all the striking coaching. And then we had a ground coach. And so I ended up moving out there, did my whole fighting thing there. Um, did all my amateur stuff, went pro. Um, and then uh, I, my, me and my wife, my, my now wife, Shannon, uh, we dated way back in the day before I even left Tucson. And we had a really bad split. And that's kind of the reason I was like trying to get out mm. of, of t- Tucson. Like, I just wanted to get away because that breakup was so bad. And like, it was so terrible that like, I just needed to get away and get out. And um, I moved to Albuquerque for that reason. And then we reconnected through her brother, who's here with me now, Bubba. Damn. Shout out to Bubba. Yeah, shout out to Bubba. Uh, Bubba yeah, man. also, yeah, uh, also known as Anthony, but we call him Bubs. And um, he, we, we stayed in touch. We were always really close, and um, he kind of reconnected us. We started dating kind of long distance, on and off. And then finally, she kind of gave me the ultimatum. She's like, "You move here and make this work for real, or like I'm done." And I was like, "Easy enough." uh you know a couple oh, months later damn. down in scottsdale arizona we we originally planned like god is so good man because like he really is because like he has a plan for everything we right. don't always see it and uh we were originally planning to go back to tucson because that's where they were at and um i have a stepdaughter mckenna she's nine now but that's like where their life was in oro valley it's just outside of tucson yeah and um so i originally planned to go back there and her dad mckenna's father um got a job out in scottsdale and so <laughs> my wife called me and she's like how do you feel about moving to scottsdale instead of tucson and i was like sure like okay um i kind of had a gym picked out in tucson that i was gonna go train at mm-hmm. and like everything planned but i was like all right like go to scottsdale didn't have a job like didn't know anything and i was like we'll just do it like we'll make it work you know yeah. what i mean and so moved down yeah moved down to scottsdale and i walked in the doors at fight ready it was recommended by a friend of mine who i went to high school with he's like if you're looking for a gym thank goodness it was like five minutes away from my apartment yeah i walked in the gym intimidating dude i don't even care if you've been fighting professionally like i had five professional fights at the time it's the most intimidating thing like you guys talked about this before right Mm -hmm. yeah like how intimidating is it walking to an mma gym it's it always is yeah it is because everybody there like in your mind can whoop your ass right you know yeah, what I mean, like it doesn't matter how big, how small, how old, or how young. You just in your mind, you're like, dude, this guy knows more than I do, no matter what. Because I would say, though, for your sake, it's even more uncomfortable going to a new MMA gym when you have previous training. Because, mm-hmm. like, for me, moving around a lot when I started training, it was here for like six months. Went to Denver, had a gym that was uh, ran by Nate Marcourt, who's in the UFC. I love Nate, by the way. And that was scary as shit because it was like, well, do I tell them that I have any experience? Because if I do, then they're like, like, what kind of experience is that? Because it was only six months of training. Then when when I moved here to Fight Ready, it was like, same thing. You're like, well, shit, like, what do I say? Do I 
say that I trained at all? Like what, what, you know? Right. No. And, and you almost seem like too, I feel like you, you can't, you just really got to be honest. I think when you go in there, yeah. that's like the best thing to do. Cause I feel like if you don't, and it, like, if you, for example, went into a gym, just like that, you've never trained and you're like, no, I never trained. Well, yeah, you no, know? I obviously wouldn't say that, but I mean, like, like even still, you, you just have to be, weird. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, you know, or Dick, and then you obviously like it's like Warrior Tom Hardy and Warrior just going there whooping ass. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I love that movie. How great is that movie? It's a great That's, movie. Oh my gosh. We, we, we need some reference to that. <laughs> <laughs> Are we really? Yeah. yeah because we, we just about became Grilla. the corniest MMA show. Yeah, now. you talk Damn. about um yeah, Ke- move or die. Uh what's his name? Kevin Grill? No. Frank. Frank, Frank Grillo, yeah. yeah. He's a that dude's awesome but you guys were so confused about kingdom and then the show i was was clear he wasn't (laughs) that was so funny (laughs) last week's episode you guys were like arguing (laughs) no like dude i know what i'm talking about you're like (laughs) i didn't know that he knew what he was talking i thought he didn't know i thought hey i might be tall but the ears to the ground still man (laughs) such a brother thing to do though (laughs) like to call him out like no no, like you don't know what you're talking about i do you know backfired on me 100 percent and then my my foot was a balloon in the training too portion oh so yeah that was a nightmare well, the tra- yeah that training was super late uh for when we do that with you we got to make sure we get it on a no more on time honestly i think you should train with the kids dude i was gonna ask you like you work a lot with the kids at fight ready with the kids program um and stuff like that I know you do other stuff in other classes too, but um, the kid, what is that like working with kids in MMA? Because it's kind of a new thing. I feel like. Dude, I hate kids. I hate kids, bro. (laughs) Gosh, dude. Like, no, I I mean, I say that. Uh, It's frustrating. It's very, it's very hard. Like, I'll be honest. It's so frustrating, but it's so rewarding. Like, did these kids look up to you and they just love you and everything you tell them that they do great, they hold on to. And everything you tell them that they do terrible, they hold on to. And you got to be really careful. And, you know, people would think I'm really hard on the kids, which I am, man. Like, I am super disciplined with the kids. They have to stand at attention whenever they're standing and I'm talking. They have to stand with their feet together and their hands at their side. And, like, that's their stance. And if they move, they do push-ups. And, but I think kids crave discipline for one reason is if you harp on a kid for something they do wrong and they correct it and you praise them for it, they hold on to that so much more. 100%, right? Yeah. Don't they hold like I felt that. Yeah. yeah, I felt that too as a kid. If you got drilled on something and you were like, you do this awful, this is terrible, fix it. And you fix it. And then that person that you admire goes, amazing, great job, high fives you, pats you on the back, you hold on to that. And yeah. you'll never lose that. You know right. what I mean? You'll never lose. You're like, I have to maybe I have to throw my jab like this because it was terrible before and coach called me out on it. Um, but the, the kids program, I was kind of thrown into. It wasn't something I planned on doing because uh, I train adults. Um, but I, I, you know, one on one sessions and boxing sessions, and a lot of fitness stuff. But I was kind of thrown into the kids. And, and when the opportunity got presented to me, I was hesitant. And I talked about it with my wife. And she's like, I think it's good for you. Cause I did, I did the kids program out in Albuquerque at my parents' gym. Mm. I ran that kids program too. And I developed a relationship with all these kids and you, you know, they, you develop this bond with these kids who, um, they look up to you so much and leaving that when I had to leave Albuquerque was so difficult for me. 
but it was also like really stress relieving because like kids programs are are really hard man and like you're not just trying to make the kids happy you got parents looking at you that are like my kids in this program you have to make them better and that's a lot of pressure you know what i mean for sure so there's money involved too exactly that entitlement exactly i'm paying for you to make sure my kid does well yeah in this program and it's just like it's frustrating it's 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 really frustrating the kids are probably the least frustrating part right the the parents you know i'm blessed i have the parents of the children that i train are just super supportive and super awesome um but yeah i was kind of thrown into it and honestly like it's growing so much i love it like i absolutely love it and uh it's hard like these kids work their butts off man Mm -hmm. they really do and it's uh like we dealt with a situation just kind of give you an example like we dealt with a situation where one child like i won't name names but one child um you know said a swear word in class Mm -hmm. and he said a swear word to another child that he was drilling with and this child is probably one of the kindest souls i've ever met and so when this happened, he like swore at the kid and then like hit the kid in the chest, like real hard or in the head. I don't remember. And I have a parent calling me that night, like that night I'm in bed and I have a parent sending me text messages and calling me like, what is going on? My child is mm. just told me he like broke down and he's telling me like this kid swore at me and then he, and like this kid looks up to this other kid and it's sad because like now i have to deal with this and i'm like i'm trying to pay like mediator between these two gentlemen and i gotta talk to parents on the phone and like that's just the kind of the stuff you have to deal with because now this dad is upset and this dad is trying to get me to understand that hey we've been struggling with my my child for a little while and we're working on it and i apologize but we'll definitely make sure we discipline the child you know and so it's cool to see these kids grow it's cool to see them fail and then come back from that failure and like come around and like really do a great job. Yeah. So I really do enjoy it. I really do. You as much as a lot of Switzerland, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to know how much do the parents grow through like vicariously through their children? Because I feel like the MMA discipline is so different than what traditionally people have grown up with discipline wise and accountability wise mm-hmm. that like, I think even just for a parent that takes their child to a class like yours, could gain a lot out of it for themselves. You know, like those, those little things that you forget about as you get older, you know, mm. you stop doing, you talk about it, but then you stop, you stop doing it. Cause you think you're just, you're old now. So you're good. Right. Like, do you find that at all? A hundred percent. Parents evolve. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And like, cool. it's crazy. Cause like, <laughs> like parents will come to me and be like, I, I told my kid that if he doesn't behave at home, like I'm going to tell coach Anthony and like, I, it's like, don't tell them that. Like, like, I don't want to be the bad guy, but yeah. they straighten up and it yeah. works. And like, Hey, I'm going to next practice. If you don't start behaving, coach Anthony is going to know. And like, I will, I'll make them pay for it. If they're not doing what they're supposed to at home, then they're going to pay for it in my class. hundred percent. And, and there's a striping system that we have, which is great. Like anything great they do outside of the gym. Like say like one of my kids, uh, Gage, he got an award at his school. It's like the Anasazi all-star award or something like that. Mm. And like his dad was like, it would mean a lot if you came to this assembly, like he would just be so excited. And so I like showed up and surprised him and it was like, it was oh, so man, cool. Man. Yeah, it was so, so cool. cool. I showed up, you know what I mean? And, um, surprised him and he was super excited and like, we give him a red stripe. So the red stripe is doing something spectacular outside. Shout out to uh, Paul McGowan, by the way, who I kind of yeah. implemented this from, 
uh, out of Chandler because you yeah, trained yeah. at Chandler. And that's right. I started. Yeah, started. yeah, you started with he Paul. He started. He was training. His gym was in the rink that I played hockey at. That's he, what you guys so were saying. Playing, yeah, dude, he'd be in yeah, practice. He I was in on there. the socially awkward interview. You yeah, were talking yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a cool dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, Paul. I've learned so much from that guy in in just an aspect of of training in in life in general, but training kids and how important it is to get a strike from your coach for doing something great outside of the gym. Because honestly, we're not just building good fighters and these kids were building good people. Right. You know what I mean? That's huge. And I I talk with my hands and I feel like maybe the camera can't see it. No, you're good. I feel feel like, um, like building good people, like good kids that grow into good men, good grown to good women is more important than growing good fighters 100 yeah. you know what i mean because you can be a great fighter and be a terrible person and you don't want that you know what i mean and you so see it a lot yes yeah. Yeah. yeah you do see it a lot no yeah. judgment but you see it in the news and the effects mm-hmm. that it has on the rest of the community honestly <laughs> Oh, that's God He's bless you. Sorry about God that. bless you. It's coming out. <laughs> it's coming out. He smashed boss. He break boss. Well, yeah. Well, one thing I was actually going to ask about the parents is that, like, I know it was it was pretty bad in uh in hockey, but a lot of parents are super involved in saying like, my kid's going to go pro, or they get so involved in the coach. Is that much of an issue for for this, or do they usually let? Do they well, stay the in their range? range? Well, what's the age range? Like, how? what's the oldest that they get? Because they're probably not super worried. They weren't really worried about that six. Well, there's so... Six. Yeah, there's some. yeah, honestly. Oh, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, there's I, some. Well, I, okay, so I train a half-hour class of four to seven-year-olds. Okay. Right? And they're half-hour class. They're held to a smaller curriculum than I hold the older kids. Sure. At eight years old, they move up in the curriculum. So say they're, say they're an orange belt in Muay Thai at seven years old. When they go to... Um, the older group, you know, eight to 14, eight to 13, that kind of varies, uh, you know, depending on when I send them to Randy, shout out to Randy, by the way, shout great coach. Randy. Um, when I move them to adult Paragon striking, as opposed to what we call the little legends, mm. my program's called the little legends, depending on how good they are, we'll move them to adults if they've kind of surpassed everyone. But uh, so I teach five, to, uh, four to seven year olds and then eight to 13, 14 range. And I find that more with, Two of my students who are very competitive in Muay Thai right now, they want to fight. Uh, that's what they're there for. They're not there for the belting system. They do it out of respect for me. Um, to their, I mean, and shout out to their parents for making them do that and having them be a part. Because even if you're not there for the striking system, maybe even if you're there just to fight, it's good to have the the what would you call it the camaraderie the camaraderie and yeah. and the discipline the I discipline think. and and the reward Experience, the reward I mean, of yeah. getting a belt and getting yeah. a strike and you know what i mean i have two of my my fighters who actually competitively fight the, the kids who are the highest ranking belts and that's no surprise because they're very talented mm-hmm. and they're very good but they've put the work in too it's not like oh, i give you your belt because because you're a, you're a fighter and you go to fights like you know you work for it you learn the same curriculum as everyone else and so like i don't have a lot of parents harping on me for like trying to get their kid to be the next you know connor the next you know whoever it is mm-hmm. um i have concerned parents for sometimes how i run my class and it's and it's very difficult because i have to train a class of a person who just walked in the door has never fought in his life yeah. a kid to a person who's trying to fight next week in the Muay Thai Open, 
And it's frustrating for a parent and I get it. I understand it hundred percent because I have to kind of downgrade the class at this point and go, well, we got to teach this kid. And then there's parents going like, yeah, but what about my kid who has a fight next week? And it's like, I get it, man. Like it's frustrating for everyone. It's yeah. Not, yeah. So it's super hard position for you to be in. I mean, well, there's no perfect system. And I think part of that is due to just like the overall amount of, of people in the sport. Like I think as the sport grows, you know, you'll start to see more of like uh, just more levels of separation where you'll have people who are there'll be a demand for more classes yeah yeah say, like yeah. different i guess just different levels where you maybe won't have as much separation yeah i think i think eventually as the class grows like right now we're just building the program but yeah. as the class grows we'll have you know entry like paragon right exactly. like they have five o'clock entry level like beginner intro to paragon then they have six o'clock don't show up at six o'clock if you don't know your stuff, right? right. Like, yeah. you're going to be embarrassed and Coach Randy's going to get frustrated because, yeah, like, why quickly. did you show? You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't um, spend go do cardio. Go go in the right. kids' corral. Exactly. Over there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's the treatment that Z and I get when we try to go do the advanced. Z's <laughs> <Before, laughs> yeah, fine. It's just me. <laughs> yeah, they try to send you guys. Hey, Paragon's its own thing. You got to, even if you know anything, you got to be there consistently to get the combos and everything. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's the great thing about our program is we're training these kids from like the stage they're at right now. Mm. And then that way, when they become adults, if they stick around it for that long, they go to intro to Paragon with Randy and they're not lost. Like they know the stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And me and Randy collab on a bunch of things that to teach. And uh, he's got a great system with Paragon striking. And I, I really do appreciate the help he's given me and the input he's given me. He kind of lets me do my own thing, which is nice because, I mean, it's two separate programs. Yes. But it's also a collaborative thing. Like we're a gym, we're a gym family. We want to make sure that we're teaching the kids. The same that same thing to the adults, so that when they do make that jump, they're not lost. It's you cohesive. Know? It's cohesive. Cohesive. Great work. It's a good. Uh, yeah, that's cool because it's it's definitely grown. Because I remember even when I was fourteen or fifteen, there wasn't nearly the youth programs that there are now. I mean, just the fact that, I, and I remember too, like I would be there'd be like maybe two other kids that were like around my age. Everyone else was like seventeen, eighteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-six, thirty. So. I think it's better for them to have that actual team feeling that you get from all the other sports. They don't feel like they're missing out if they're not playing football or they're not playing baseball. They're they're part of that team and they're growing with that. So I think that's cool. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I even tell them every day, like you're only as good as your team and that's it. Like you're only as good as your teammates because you can't get any better unless your teammates better. So if you're not making your teammate better, then you're never going to get better. Dude, and that's, like that's, that's the thing that's become such a fun theme of this show that i think is just not shown in in the world of mma at all like how important the the team aspect is outside of like like the genuine importance of having the team you know it's, right. it's so prevalent in fighting and it's just it's really not talked about enough a lot of guys will talk about their individual teams say that their individual team is really good and then I'll talk about why it's it's important to have their team. But like the the whole escalation of things going from the the little legends all the way up to the UFC can all be a cohesive system that's duplicatable and and um, um, replicatable. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the same thing. well, no, that's well, that's the thing is like, and you hear about like you don't want to take my coaches on the thing, but like. 
mean, there's guys out there like, and when I walked into Fight Ready, I was the biggest, the biggest person in that place. Like, yeah, I did not have many training partners at all. Like, it was, it was me, and like the next biggest guy was like Paris. Oh you know what I mean? Gosh, like yeah. that was it. Yeah, that like Damn. that's who I was training that's a with. Big jump. And like, and Paris. Paris is frustrated because he's like, I got to spar. Oh, I guess for this dude, like he weighs 190 pounds. Like, why am I? And coach Santino would be like, that's all we got, man. Like, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And now it's grown, uh, you know, just huge blessings with a lot of things that's going on at fight ready right now. we got so many other people coming in, which is great, but you know, you have to thank your team. You have to look back and go, my team got me here. And like, yeah, that's the biggest yeah. thing that we don't see is like you have Roman, Salazar, who's training, who's sparring with these dudes that are in the UFC um, on the weekly. Like, on every week, he's sparring guys that are taking fights in the UFC. Paris, same thing. You know what I mean? You got, you know, Randy, who coached uh, Luke Sanders, and yeah. knocking out Burrell. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You got to think, like, everyone you sparred with and trained with, like, you have to think they're the ones who brought you here. Not 100%. just your coaches. Not just your... Um, you know, your cornermen, like the guys who you freaking went to battle with in the cage for three rounds last Saturday to get you ready for this fight. You know what I mean? And I think that's where the kids program is going is just making sure the importance of, of the team, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, dude, it's, it's super important. All right. We got to do a quick break for, to do a camera reset. And, camera uh, reset. Yeah. We'll camera pop, reset. Pop, get it popping again. And get a, another beer. Yeah. We'll get another beer. All right, cool. All right, we're back. We're back. We didn't get any comments uh, on how to fix it. Must not be a way to fix it. The camera thing. Why are you looking at me all confused? Oh, oh. you didn't get any comment. Okay. Yeah, because remember last week? Yep. You were like, if you know how to like, fix it, throw it in the comments. He did a shout out to the comments yeah, for you. Okay. <laughs> but, but. Our li- well, just our listeners are terrible at leaving comments. So. Yeah, we have a tough time. We get a lot of real life comments, though, which we find are a lot more of value to us. Yeah, yeah we know. get good real life comments. But hey, by the way, Juice, like you weren't kind of um, pissed on my parade a little bit. Like I thought I was gonna be the first one to wear the hat to the show, and I wasn't because Juice wore it. That's cool. Like I'm not mad about it or anything. I'm a little mad about it. <laughs> but <laughs> you took the hat off. I so took the hat off. It was a little, a little over it, I think. But <laughs> I'll throw it back on. But um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, while we're on the topic of juice and hats and and hats and stuff, <laughs> I mean he's he's doing the tat. Yeah, he's doing the tat on his booty, and uh, don't ask me to do that because my wife might shoot me. So oh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I could commit. But I love you all so much. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Dude, I would not neck. tattoo your emblem on my butt or my neck. Damn. <laughs> Maybe like I would do a small tricep. Tattoo eventually. Yeah, small, man. Like ten thousand subscribers. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, twenty-five years. I'll get that tattoo. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I love you guys. Years. Damn. <laughs> Damn. I don't rate though. Honestly, though, I'm mathematically probably correct. It's giving us some credit because I was I was thinking more so like thirty-six. Right. Thirty-six yeah. years is what well, my projection mathematically, was. Mathematically, he's closer to being correct, but yours would be factoring in people getting bored of us too, and sure. Yeah probably gonna happen but i think once they get used to you guys and the way you argue (laughs) like i don't know how you don't look but i think it's a brother thing too like like bubs you have brothers like once you understand the brother relationship 
you appreciate your podcast so much more. I think that has a big factor to deal with your oh, podcast. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I feel like I, I called my brother the first time I listened to your podcast and I was like, we missed our calling. Like we should, <laughs> yeah. like we should have done a podcast. It's not too like, late. Yeah, it's no, not too late. no, it's too late. It's too late. My, my <laughs> brother lives in Austin, Texas, and he's got a kid and a wife and, <sighs> and, uh, He'd probably still do it though. <laughs> Remotely, he'd probably still do it. But it's yeah. fun, man. It's a different experience. I remember when Z brought it up. I was like, dude, I don't think I could do it because you know, I was, I was. He turned it down for a while because when I was eighteen, I wanted to start one. Yeah, um, and I was. Just, did you guys? T- I, I felt like I'm sure we did, but yeah. But I didn't know that weird, you turned it down though. I turned it down for a lot for like a, a little bit because. I was just doing finance and insurance and I like everything with that is so serious and so kind of stuffy. Top 100, by the way, <laughs> Shout out top 100. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's just kind of stuffy. And so like, I, I was kind of in a, you know, I'm always in a building credibility phase. You never grow out of that. But like, I think once, once you sort of have like a You're bored of being boring. Yeah. That's basically what happened. And I was like, I'm, I'm willing to risk, willing to risk everything on just being myself you know and if it works out great if not then i'll figure something else out and um and so that was it but the podcast was was really that 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 push out of the plane you know and then being being who i am supposed to be or who i am just as a person is was the parachute but um, and that's kind of scary right like this is super scary being super vulnerable in that position and like just letting everyone because you're just pretty much telling who you are as a person like inside and out and like that's super scary at first like that's really intimidating for some people it's it's like it it becomes real honest after the first episode that you've got to reshoot because something was fucked up you know like yeah you you had the camera like we, I, we, Z and I have only reshot one episode ever, and it was like our second one, and it was because the camera angle was off, and either me or Z was. I think I was cut off. Like only you could only see like half of me. Half yeah. of Z completely cut off. So we had to do reshoots once, and that was it. But then from then on, it was like every single thing that we put out, we have to be okay with because I don't want to fucking reshoot it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So that's really become the motto of like, just be, you know, be whoever you want to be at the end of the day, because mm-hmm. we're not reach, we don't have time to reshoot yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it, then it becomes less real. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. It becomes less of you because you're reshooting and you're like, I didn't really you like what I said. Thinking so yeah, much about you start it. thinking about it. You overthink it. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of uh, musicians, like music people, and I'm sure this is super prevalent in MMA where it's like, you got to really rely on your gut and your instincts and like that first thought of, I need to be doing this when this happens because that's typically right. what's right. That's crazy. I was just listening to a podcast this morning. One of my favorite rappers, Andy Mineo. Uh, he's a phenomenal he artist. He writing? No, no, he didn't oh. stop writing. He's a phenomenal artist, and he was talking about that. They had two hours to record a song. Him and this guy, Govna, were on the tour together, and he was like, let's write a song together. Let's do a song together. And he was like, all right. So they're in the hotel, and he's on the uh, the laptop mic or whatever that he called in the hotel mic. Mm-hmm. And it sounds a little funky, like not as crisp and clear as you would want it as studio. Right. But he's like, I didn't want to redo it because I felt like it loses something. That you know what I mean? I think that, yeah. That specialness, right. that rawness to it. You know that what I mean? Art. 
Yeah, that art yeah. to it. And so, like, that's funny that you mentioned that because I literally just listened to that this morning. Yeah, you're so. that, that is cool. I, I was listening to something yesterday where they, they're, like, talking about how they stopped writing because it was T-Pain. I mean, so it's, like, T-Pain obviously is very creative and very good with just being able to flow and mm-hmm. whatever, do whatever. But he, he just goes up there and he'll get on the mic and whatever comes to mind is what he goes with and then he doesn't write anymore he just does it yeah oh that's crazy, that's crazy. i didn't yeah, even know that yeah i yeah. didn't know that that's awesome so i mean but he, he's a he's a monster how how is that like in mma is that a, a common thing or like i guess scripting scripting ideas or scripting combinations and, and stuff like that like yeah that's a thing visualization 100 yeah, like percent. how to what degree Man, I think a Korean zombie, like right off the bat, it's crazy. But like, mm-hmm. I saw a Korean zombie drill with Eddie Child, like the same drill, repeatedly over and over. And it was, it was the pull cross, pull cross, and they drilled it over and over. You bait him with their jab, you make them throw their jab, you pull, you cross, and that's how he knocked his dude out in the last fight. And we all saw that and how amazing yeah. that was. But like scripting and and planning and game planning is one hundred percent. A part of the sport i think if you don't do it you're 20 steps behind the guy who you're fighting because i mean i we i mean me and ramon talked about it like uh i talked about it with so many people like we would see them drill the same thing and it's almost like just drilling that one thing over and over like but it's so prevalent to what he who he was fighting and what that fight he wanted to do and it was so cool to see that drill, like, because you watch it, you know, in the gym, and you're like, wow, they're just doing that over and over and over, right. and, over. Yeah. and then all of a sudden, you watch it in the fight, and you just pull across, and you're like, oh my gosh, oh shit, it worked. They, that that's what they did, like over and over. You <laughs> yeah, know, I think I think Roman, like, was it Roman or Randy? One of them on their story, they posted watching it, and I think it might have been Randy. I don't know. And he's like, I saw them drill that. They did that over and over. Like, it wasn't a secret what he was going to do. Right, right. Like, we all know he was going to pull cross. And it just matched up perfectly. Sure enough, it worked. That's was, so cool, dude. We hear that like, We hear that a lot these days in the UFC, especially with, like, the first it was that Connor video. Connor that Aldo, yeah, he was practicing that with yes, the, hook. the hook. And then that check hook. Yeah. 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 And then recently there was the game bread. Yeah, Jorge uh, Moss, but all the fine knee. <laughs> fine knee. Who's excited for that Diaz? Dude, fight? I, I think it's up here. Oh my gosh. I was so pumped when they announced that. Dude. Same. <laughs> I can't Me wait to. Well, how, how, how do you feel about the Diaz brothers? I like being all honest. I used to not. I, I used like to not. I love them. But I love them now. I love them, dude. Love them. How do you not I mean, yeah, like I wish they'd toned down their mouths a little bit. Like but how do you it's not know? No, it is them. Yeah. Like you, you ask them to tone down their mouth and then you ask them to not be who they are. Like, yeah, the Stockton, tough. California boys are Stockton, California boys. And they're just who they are. Exactly. And you gotta love that about yeah. them, man. Like I do. I appreciate it. My mom calls me the other day. And my mom loves him. Like my stepdad and my mom, like they love MMA. And so she's like, did you hear the announcement? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I heard, like, <laughs> I can't wait. And like, it's just cool to share that with your family. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. Um, like, speaking of brothers like uh my brother john uh he's i'm 30 he's 28 and uh we fought uh he's he fought professionally too oh really yeah yeah my brother john fought professionally as well and uh, we were actually able to be on the same card of king of the cage one time really yeah we like we had a we have a poster of like us on the front like of king of the cage 
and it's just yeah. a cool moment. Yeah, and like yeah. we both Rosenberg boys got a fight on the same night, and like, dude, I miss that so much. That camaraderie of training with my brother because he was in Albuquerque with me, right. and I was you know twenty pounds heavier than him, but he hit like a brick house, so it didn't matter. Right, and uh, okay. so like getting to, getting to train with your brother was like one of the coolest experiences ever. So I like, can just kind of feel how the Nate Diaz brothers like how they feel about yeah. that, you know, and how important it is for them. And for sure. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's made it way more fun for me. Cause he has only been training. Like he's newly kind of training, uh, somewhat, you know, but, uh, it's so much more fun going in there knowing like, all right, I got someone who's going to hit pads for me. I can tell him if he's holding it wrong. He can tell me if I'm holding it for him wrong. There's that comfort level to yeah. where it's like, all right, I'm going to tell you where I need you to be to get the most out of my training. Yeah. And I don't take it personal and like, and, and same thing. And it's super, it's super helpful to have that, that full honesty and like that. Uh, it's nice for me too to be like the older brother because like I know that um like he's so much bigger than me that like I really can't hurt him. Really, right. You know? like, I'd have to really wind one up and miss the fucking pad <laughs> yeah. and catch him for like for it to hurt him. Yeah. Kick um, me in the neck or some shit. Yeah, I'd have to like really <laughs> just do it bad and miss. But uh so that's helpful. There's like such a level of trust that I have that I'm, I don't have to worry about who I'm training with. I can just focus on learning. And so it helps, I think, me move a lot quicker than if I didn't have that. I was worried about maybe like accidentally hitting somebody too hard and knocking the pad off or the mid. Cause yeah. Or hurting the shoulders. Or, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Just kick in. Yeah. Kick. Or like if I go, if we go for a head kick and they flinch and move the, the, the mid or the pad and I hit them in the head. Right. But I would feel terrible. Right. Z, right. if I do that, it's fine. It's fine. You don't feel bad fuck at him. all. <laughs> no, no, he'll catch it, though. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. I uh, can't reach him anyways, but it's fine. Yeah. The next shot. What What I was going to ask was um, fighting with – I always wondered this because you'd see, like, Anthony Pettis and his brother fighting on the same card. What, is your anxiety just through the fucking roof on that day, or what is that like? Is it uh, – it just I, seems like it would be very difficult to like have your brother either fight before you and depending on how that goes, you really have no clue. Yeah. Um, um, I feel like, okay. So I think juice hit on it. Was it juice or Aiden juice quartered Aiden, right? Juice. Yeah. Quartered Aiden yeah. last. And right. his anxiety, he said was so much worse for Aiden than it was for any of his fights. When it's your brother, I think it's like intensified by like 20. I would bet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my poor brother, like, he had to go through the anxiety of me fighting first. Cause at the time I wasn't pro. I was an am it was my last amateur fight. Oh. And my brother was already pro. So I took a break. I was a I was a cop for three and a half years. Oh, really? And during the yeah, yeah. I was a cop Thank for three and a in Santa Fe. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um in Santa Fe, New Mexico for three and a half years. I commute. And um Damn. I took a break during the academy and during during that time I didn't really fight. And um when I got through the academy, I was like, hey, I still got the itch and kind of talk to your lieutenants and sergeants and like, is this so cool for me to do they're like yeah as long as you know that you can't head kick people in the streets like you know you're fine you know <laughs> and uh so like i my first comeback fight was the fight that my brother was fighting professionally on and i was come my amateur comeback on king of the cage and i had to fight before him and i can't imagine like for me it's different like i had anxiety through the roof when my brother fought but i had already fought my brother was in the back 
not able to watch, mm. you know, you know, in the back warming up, not able to watch my fight. And just, I can't imagine like his stress. Cause he tells me all the time. And like G said it last week, like when someone you care about and love either a coach or a teammate, it's worse because you're not in control. Right. Like you want to be like you, you almost like when you step in that, in that cage, you're in control. Like yeah. the only person that messes up is you. But when you're watching someone, you just go, you want that control. And I think that's such a hard thing to give up is that control, especially for a, for a fighter. You know what I mean? It's just it's so yeah. hard to give that up. I find that it's even tough as a fan, dude. Like, it gets hard. Like, it, it gets it, it starts out in the UFC, dude, when they pin when they pin T-City against Holloway, yeah. you know, and you're heartbroken. The two guys you like. You're just fucking heartbroken either way. Yeah. You know, but yeah. then... And then, it, like, as you get more into the sport and, like, you get in to the, to the amateur levels or, or these other pro leagues where, like, you really know people and, like, you're friends with people and you go watch their fights, like, there is so much more emotional uh, investment that goes into it than, like, if you're just going... No, there is, man. Like, yeah, it's crazy. When you know nuts. the people, when you have an emotional connection yeah. with the people that are fighting, it takes it to a different... Even if you're in the stands... Like going to watch Roman fight is like one of the worst things for me. Like Bubs knows, like Bubs loves Roman. My wife loves Roman. Like my family loves Roman. Mm -hmm. Going to watch him fight. My family always buys tickets because it's Roman and we yeah. love him as a person. And we hate the moment he walks into that cage because we are so stressed out. It's yeah. probably why we drink so much at those fights because like, <laughs> yeah. what else are you going to do to calm your nerves? You exactly. know, like it's so so stressful yeah right. and it's yeah you're right as a fan even like it doesn't even have to be a cornerman like right. as a fan watching someone you love step in that cage is so stressful man. yeah it is so stressful. it's a different it's a different level because like you go to those cards and you don't know people it's like whatever you're mm -hmm. talking right. to people it's no big yeah. deal and you're gonna root for Whoever. whoever's from your city or yeah, exactly. maybe not maybe yeah, you hate the guy cooler. you hate the guy's hair that's fighting and you're yeah, like whatever yeah, dude like i don't want him to win his hair stupid that's yeah, fight man. though dude boom yeah yeah like you might as well be in it <laughs> yeah yep. the hard thing is though is it's not like other uh sports though because like you lose a even if you lose a football game we'll even narrow it down to that because like if you lose a hockey game or a basketball game you have 82 games for the rest of the season uh -huh. so it's not a big deal if you lose I mean, college football, they have the argument that you got to pretty much be undefeated. But right. other than that, every other sport, you lose a game. Yeah, you got some pissed off people for like three days. But once they get to work, they're fine. Yep. But they're MMA, something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they find something else. And then uh, but MMA, though, I don't think a lot of people realize how much that fight truly means to your career. Because it's right. not like... You have another game scheduled the next week against the number twenty ranked team, and right. then so it just is so more so much more cutthroat. So I think that adds that layer of like fuck, like they gotta like this this fight means so much. Well, a hundred percent, dude. And like, so I'm an zero and three streak right now. I've lost my last three fights. Uh, I fought for the King of Cage title. I got dropped by a, a liver shot mm -hmm. uh, first round. Um, fought uh darius flowers shout out to darius that dude's killing it right now he's awesome that's the thing about mma dude like there's no ill will like right remember like guys are so weird uh, like we're weird like <laughs> we have beef with someone we fight them and then we're best friends after you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. like that's how it is like darius mm -hmm. flowers and i fought knocked me out that's the first time i've ever been knocked out by the way that was one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me um, really 
Yeah, it was terrifying uh, because I don't remember it. Yeah, I really don't. Like, I still don't remember it. Like, I think he knocked out some of my past. Like, I don't remember any of it, dude. Yeah, it was bad. And like having my wife there and my daughter there is so hard. And like, it's so terrifying. And, um, you know, and then I lost my most recent fight to another liver shot. And you, you, you you don't. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Cowboy. (laughs) Stop. Cowboy's the man. (laughs) Um, No, but you, you, you have to realize that like, it's not, oh, next week we'll get them. Like, this is it. Like, this is it. And, um, you know, I lost my last fight to Ty Gorder. Uh, shout out to Ty. He's mm. killing it too. Yeah. In the LFA. He was mm-hmm. just on the LFA main card on TV. And that dude's just a stud. He really is. Yeah, He's such he is. an awesome guy. Um, and I mean, just the only fight, these guys is great. But like, like you said, it's not like basketball where you have a bad loss, you have a bad game. Next week you go kill it and it's awesome. Like that sits with you and that resonates with you. And I really think after that knockout, dude, I wasn't the same fighter mm. ever. Like I was not the same person. Like, Throw me in a sparring match with Jordan Johnson and I'm fine. Like uh, Jordan Johnson's one of the guys that trains. He's in the PFL right now. He's fighting for a million dollars. And uh, that dude's a stud. Mm-hmm. And I throw me in a don't, – don't let me wrestle with him. I will lose. <laughs> um, but throw me in a stand-up match with that dude and I'm fine. Like yeah. I'll, I'll hang with him all day. But um, like you, you, can't, you can't just go – you can't be okay with losing. Right. And I think that's where I'm at right now with fighting is like – Everyone has, like, I bring up Roman so much, but, like, he's one of my closest friends. And, um, like, that dude just has a desire to fight all the time. Like, fighting's the most selfish sport. Like, you guys talked about that last week with Juice right. and Aiden. Like, it's selfish, and it's not a bad thing if you don't have, you know, if you don't have someone that's craving your time and attention. And if you have someone that's understanding of you committing your whole time to fighting, then it's cool. But, like, you know... Um, if you have a wife and a daughter who all they want is your time, like it's hard, man. Like it's hard, you know, and coach Santino said it best. Like you got to be willing to sacrifice the birthdays for family. Like it's Saturday. We have a birthday party. Well, I'll go to the birthday party after I'm done sparring. And like, honestly, like, I don't know if I'm willing to give that up anymore. Yeah. Like I'm not like, I'm, I'm in this mindset now where I'm just like, I don't know if I'm willing to give up that extra two hours of my daughter to go spar. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's the beautiful thing about MMA is like when you decide that fighting isn't number one anymore, then it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's a hard thing to let go of, but it's okay. Right. You know what I mean? And you can't be halfway in fighting. Right. We see guys halfway in fighting and what happens? Yeah, exactly. Lose. And they lose and they lose. And they get hurt. And they get hurt. Exactly. And like you can't. You ha- get hurt. Yeah. You mm-hmm. have to be 100% in fighting or you need to stop. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, and that's, we somewhat have a, we, we can relate to that somewhat similar just with all of this. And we were just talking about this last week. It's like, fuck, man. It's like we're having to sacrifice things that we love to do, like go to the gym and training because we got to edit a video or get this out, you know, by, by Thursday or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. And, or I'll call you out. Yeah. Yeah. We get called <laughs> out by Anthony. We don't want that. We can't have that. And, uh, yeah, so it, it's just but it's stuff that we want to do. It's stuff we want to like, do. So it's the same thing with fighting that you want to be fighting, but it's like you got to make those sacrifices. 100%. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade doing this show or putting the hours that we put into this show for anything. I mean, I, we've gotten a little thick. I'm not going to deny. I've gotten a little thicker since we started the show. Didn't intend to be. 
Same. But we haven't been in the gym as much as we as we want to be. Yeah, know? but like, but hard. but where are your priorities? And that's what it comes down to. Right. Like priorities are, are is the zoo, right? You know? It's the zoo. It's the it's zoo. The, yeah, it's the awkward animal party, and that is priority number uh, one. Yeah, it's and and that's the thing is like we're drinking on set now. It's yeah, not, that's it's that kind of awkward animal. It's that party. kind of awkward <laughs> animal party, and that's the thing, dude. Is is like I I love MMA. I love fighting, but I love my daughter and I love my wife that much more that I just, I'm not willing to sacrifice that time anymore right. for fighting. You know what I mean? And it all changed when I moved here. I was still chasing that dream. Like when I moved to Scottsdale, that's what Shannon, my wife. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. She's like, we need to find you a gym. The first thing before I even had a job, she's like, we have to find you a gym to train at. Like that was her mm. main priority. And I'm like, that says a lot about a wife, like to support yeah, you yeah. to, for her to work full time and go, I'll, I'll support you until you find a job, but you need to find a gym to train at. And like, that's, that's, that's her person. That's just my wife, man. She's just that's that, that person. Unconditional support. Yeah. It's that ride or die. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I found in Shannon. And for her to be like, you, and, and when I moved down here, that's what it was. And like, all I wanted to do was train and fight again. And slowly as I developed this relationship with my daughter now, and you know, I'm her stepdad. So that, that was hard to overcome. And the more we become close, the less things I want to miss because I feel like I'm missing so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to miss that. You sure. know? And so the priorities kind of switched from my desire to make it to the UFC, make it to the big screens, to nah, I'm cool with just being the guy who fought once and is a dad now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's okay with me. And I like that. And I love coaching. I'm so sure. I'm cool with coaching, you know, and I'm coaching with someone I'm learning from Randy. I'm learning from Eddie, you know, I'm learning from Roman and Paris and, you know, everyone. And I'm, I'm okay with that. You know what I, mean? I just hope that like my, my biggest hope for you is that you never stop coaching, you know, or leave the sport and like that you don't ever have that resentment to the sport, you know, to where like you, you, go and you just beat your career into the ground you get to the point where like you just hate it yeah you know like you hate going to work you hate uh all the stuff that it takes so then you just can't even be around it which is kind of what happened with me and hockey bro like still um you know it just it got to that point where like i was never okay with with anything of like where i was at and any of that so then there was that resentment and I've never had something I wanted to do more than that. I didn't have an identity outside of that. So I think having something that you can be outside of that fight. Something bigger than yourself, yeah. like your relationship like, with your daughter. Yeah, and your wife, your you wife. know, is, is like it's something that is going to make you continue on and like be able to still connect with the sport, even though, you know, even though you may never fight again. Well, well that's it, right? Like, when you become what you're doing, that's when you need to stop. I think like, yeah, yeah. you're Jay, right? Like you're Jay, you're Z. Like, but when Gio. you become only a hockey player, Gio, when you become <laughs> only a hockey player, you lose something else about you. Like you're not just a hockey player. Like you're so much more clearly, like right, you have yeah. so much more going for you, but when you lose yourself, like, and that's kind of how I felt when I moved down here is like, I'm failing my family. If I don't make it in the UFC, right. if I don't make it as a fighter, I'm fit. Cause that's all I am. I'm only a fighter. But when you realize that you have so much more to offer than that and you don't lose your identity and I'm a fighter, like same thing with being a cop, dude. I felt like I lost myself in being a cop. Mm. A big reason why I stepped away from being a cop was because 
I became a cop. It wasn't what I did. It was who I am. Right. And my dad had to remind me. My dad's been a police officer. He's a chief of Miranda. Shout out to my dad. Hey, dad. Uh, <laughs> chief of Miranda PD is my dad was like, dude, you don't have to stay a cop. Like, you're not a cop. That's just what you do. You know, and I think when we lose our identity and what we do, that's when we need to start walking away or just reevaluating what we do. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure, like sure. if you if you feel like if I felt like I have nothing outside of fighting and that's only what I have going, then I need to reevaluate my for life sure, in general. For you sure. You know what I mean? Dude, so. yeah. I mean, that's that is a message that cannot be shouted from enough mountaintops. I mean, that is uh uh some that really is is super valuable, especially for kids too. I mean the kids are told to put everything into what they do and leave it all out there on the field, on the ice, on the, on the map, whatever it is. And, and while that's true to a degree, like you also got to understand that there's still other parts that are left in the tank, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like my, my mom said it. She was like, cause I was like, after my last loss, my mom told me, she's like, I think you're done. Like, I think that you have so much more going for you. Um, why are you fighting still? Like you have a wife and you have a great job at the gym, you know, and why are you still fighting? And I was like, no, mom, like I still got some left in me. And if you have some still left in you, then you keep going. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be your number one priority. Right. Anymore. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like if you still have it, great work for it. But if it's not your number one priority, then maybe it is time to reevaluate and walk away. Just you know figure I mean? out where it fits in and yeah. how it fits in. Right. Yeah. It may not be fighting. Like, I might still have some fight in me, but it may not be in the cage. Right. It may be just in the gym training other sure. people, right. you know what I mean? And grinding in the gym and making your teammates better. You know what I mean? Because your fight isn't over just because you don't want to step in the cage anymore. You still got teammates that you got to build up. Sure. You know what I mean? Yes. 100%, dude. I mean, this, we're, we're, we're kind of getting, getting up there on tempo, but um yeah, Randy touched on that though too with on saying how he was wanting to like get into the youth and uh really focus on coaching coaching the youth. So But that's a yeah, it's huge. It's just cool that to have that uh that base fundamental growth. It's like that sense system. of woke of just like, okay, here's where I'm at with everything and then here's what uh here's what, where my value is and here's what I can give to everyone else versus this is what I'm going to do for myself. This is what I'm going to give to everybody else. Mm -hmm. and I yeah. think that's a cool adjustment. It's a very, yeah, because, and, and like you said earlier, fighting's a, a selfish game. It doesn't have to be, you know, mm -hmm. and like, I think people like you are, are living proof of that, you know, continue to be. So it's, it's very much appreciated. Yeah. But Anyways, dude, this has been this has been a blast. It's been a blast. It's been we're awesome. Gonna, we're gonna get to go to the to the gym and do a training part. Cool. And maybe we'll do it with the kids. Maybe we'll, we'll do the kids. That could be fun. I think you guys should jump in the kids class. That'll be fun. I think they'd love it. If, if the parents let us, we'll do it. Oh, that. they will do. All right. If they don't mind a camera the parent, around. the parents will love it, dude. They'll okay. enjoy it thoroughly. I think uh either Monday or Tuesday night. We get you guys in with the kids, and you guys just do the whole program with the kids, but you guys partner up. I think yeah, it'd be great, okay. man. All right, All right we'll, we'll do that. that. We'll do that. Yeah. All right, yeah. Cool, man. We'll do that Monday. Cool. All right. So, thanks again for having me. No, thank you guys, man. This is awesome. I can't wait to come back for Socially Awkward when you guys restart again, man. Hell yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to have you on that, and it'll just be, just be bullshitting for an hour and a half. Oh, so. I love BSing for a whole hour and a half. Dude, that's my favorite. <laughs> cool, um, man. All right. Later. Cool. Later. Later. Now. Yeah.
it's gonna be awkward. <laughs>